Hey everyone, hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice and Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with Alice Wetterland. She's an actress, a comedian, a podcaster, hosts co-host Treks in the City, mm. which I had a real central perk moment this morning when I'm like, oh, I get it. Uh, and also a show about uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, mm-hmm. who I was a guest. I don't think she's so marvelous all the time. No. <laughs> um, and uh, are there more podcasts? You mean me? I get it. <laughs> no, no, you, you are, had to say it. You're the most marvelous. No, you you're the most. I'm talking about <laughs> about the charming um, Midge. Is that her name? Midge. Yeah, it mm. already, fell, it already yeah. fell out of my head. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. My, Thanks for having me. My listeners demanded that you come on. Really? Yeah. And I also demanded it. You did demand it. I did it. demand it. But <laughs> I demand. conveyed I conveyed that my listeners were like, you have to have her on. So now I've had you on. And uh, I mean, now I've and had it's you. been great. <laughs> and, Thank you so uh, much. It was a very fast um, show. I guess I'll did, plug my Twitter. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah. It's phonetic. I, Perfect then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I think I thought before I saw it spelled, I thought it was Wetterland, mm, but it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. It, and Wetterland is a name too. So it's like, I, but not yeah, yours. Get, yeah. It's just not mine. Yeah. Right. And it, you know, I'm not super attached to my names. Um, my grandfather was who had the name was adopted, so it's not even his ethnic name. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm like, I don't you know whatever. right you don't wear I'm not the, like uh, the cre- uh, family crest <laughs> important that you yeah i don't yeah do you know what his actual name. name was um i think it was hacker or hawker with two a's maybe i don't know like a That's german so or, cool yeah yeah it would have been a cool name but whatever i don't care <laughs> so you are uh a working actress like you're in a ton of yes, stuff i work so hard on stuff i'm not paid for <laughs> auditioning silicon valley mm-hmm. i loved you in that thank you people of earth is mm-hmm. that on tbs is that still going on yeah we're shooting our third season this summer um and oh 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 that one with the, the wedding dates mike and dave need wedding dates that's that's yeah. the one it rolls off only my tongue <laughs> <laughs> so are you it's funny i i'm trying to i feel like it's been a while since i've had like an actively working actress on the show yeah although i feel like surreptitiously people are always needing to scoot out to go to an audition. So everyone right, we're who comes all on, working. Yes. It's just, we're not getting paid. Are you not getting paid? Well, cause auditioning is your job. Right. Essentially. So like when I have to go to work, you know, it's just mostly like as an actor, I would say like 89% of your job is driving and emailing, <laughs> you know, and then you're, you know, on set sitting around and waiting, doing more emailing, you know, and then you're, you're shooting. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm very, I'm very fortunate to have worked as much as I have, but for the last three years, it hasn't really been like, it's just been auditioning, auditioning, mm-hmm. auditioning, getting pinned, no, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, that's the grind, I guess. So. And I was listening to a recent episode of Treks in the City, and you were talking about having lost a role to someone that you lose roles mm-hmm. to frequently. Yeah, there's like they, a few people that you do that with. So yes. everybody has their like doppelganger-ish, you know, um, for me, 
Lauren Lapkus, I often am up against her for oh, some reason. Interesting. I could. It's weird. You it's guys like don't age. Look I know, but I think it's like an age bracket slash comedy thing. Like where we both kind of skew like funny. You know, uh, we have like some some similar attitudes. I like think. Funny, you know what I mean? Like quirky, able to be put upon. Also, yeah. like the ability to have like a, a you know something happens to you in the face you make whatever. So. um I think, yeah, so it's like I lost a role to one of those, one of my doppelgangers, not Lauren Lapkus, and it was like, they they responded by saying that they, yeah, they were just like, sorry, she just is much more age appropriate, which she's like three years younger than me. <laughs> and they and, wanted age appropriate, meaning wanting someone older. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, I guess that's good, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know how, to, I can't complain about that, <laughs> you know, so. Can I, how, do you say how old you are? I'm 36, yeah. Oh, you do look so much younger than I you do are. look so far you know I'm just waiting for it to just one day wake up and just like Mick Jagger or something <laughs> I looked older than I was for a long time as a kid like I remember when I was 12 or 13 yeah. um I was out to dinner with my parents and the server offered me wine mm-hmm. it was like the best day of my life and it wasn't a fr- it wasn't a french kind of thing it wasn't a like in our culture we do this like they, she actually one asked if i was of age maybe she was just <laughs> it wasn't at the embassy <laughs> right uh so i looked older and then i looked younger for a long time and then now every day i'm just like what is what happened to my face it's just it's, <laughs> it's my new thing that scary. i it is i mean i'm, I'm watching <laughs> i feel so much old. like i feel like i look you know like you feel because like as a woman you're watching your face change and it's so jarring and it does happen quickly in a way so you're kind of just like oh um i'm a hag like from (laughs) an apocalypse you know i've been (laughs) through many many lifetimes right and i've held the ring and that's why i'm able to sustain life but i'm not actually i'm preternaturally old like and and you're and it's just like a wrinkle but it's so jarring and you know we just look at our faces so much and Mm -hmm. we're just especially in la especially in this even if you're not in the industry per se like you're you're conscious of it all the time and also we are not have, supposed to age and we all have phones and we're all taking pictures of ourselves mm-hmm. a million times and the f- iphone is um evil and it makes your like it has a weird fisheye thing that mm-hmm. happens and i don't know why they haven't just made a thing to correct for this i think it's because if they don't then they can make us spend more money on like whatever product i think it's also slenderizing the fisheye thing slenderizing i think am i right am i wrong sometimes i feel like yeah because your face is all big yeah maybe but it like it narrow it narrow it narrows and stretches yeah in like a a way that is i think can be slenderizing maybe i don't know well i just don't like what it does to my nose because i'm like this isn't what i look like i don't i just don't look like that. right it makes noses bigger i refuse so (laughs) there you go i recently and this is the worst use of time Mm -hmm. went off the deep end being concerned that my teeth are getting crooked and changing. Um, and so I needed to see what they looked like after braces. Uh-huh. So I went back through old, I was like trying to find old photos. And it's funny because it's like at a certain point, you don't have them in your phone anymore. You mm-hmm. have to go to actual photos. Yeah. So I spent, there was a, I remembered being in San Francisco with my friend after college and we, we're both in sleeping bags and I was wearing, at this point I was wearing retainers and I remember taking a selfie on an actual camera, uh, like, oh my God, both of us in bed and just smiling, wearing a retainer. And I'm like, I've got to find that photo <laughs> because I know how my retainers fit now. 
and I have to see if they also, I mean, this oh is like, the, my God. The, there's yeah. so many levels of craziness. Yeah. But anyway, I finally found the photo, which is crazy. Yeah. But it, it was kind of blurry. Like all the of old teeth shots were kind of blurry. Yeah. And it made me realize a huge part of this concern of how did it used to be? How is it now? Is just that everything is so high def now. We mm-hmm. didn't used to have that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, that's a big, I think that's a big change. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, like, I don't know. I have I have a lot to say about it, but it's like it's so much that it's like exhausting. I don't know. Well, now I'm curious. I mean, I oh, I tweeted this thing recently about how like we should do a show about struggling models in New York, like like a like a models Inc type show, mm-hmm. but everybody that is cast in the show is just like not model esque at all. And I was like saying like, I'll play this like gangly rugby player who's 15 from the, it's all, everybody's over 35, you know? And it's just like, it's to counteract like what we've been dealing with in Hollywood, which is just like everybody that plays every part is a model. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's, you know, Oh, I'm a sharecropper. You know, no, you're not. You're a model, you know, like, Oh, right. just struggling with raising my three kids. And I'm a model. Like, I love this show called um, prime suspect. It's a, it's Helen Mirren's first like huge TV project. And, um, they recently made a prequel show, uh, about her youth, like in the police force, <laughs> the girl playing her is a fucking model. Like she looks She's like a 12, you know, <laughs> and and I'm like, OK, I gave it a chance, you know, because I'm not saying like hot people can't act. They definitely can. But um, I start watching it and everyone in the show, like all the characters are treating her character like she's the bottom of the barrel, you know, like, give me some coffee, asshole, you know, and it's like, <laughs> nope, that's not what she looks like. And I'm mm-hmm. watching it and I'm going, you're lying to me. Like, don't lie to my face with this. Like, I can't like you know, it's just like the, the hotness thing is so egregious because the way that we treat people who are younger and look, you know, a certain like Anglo American, whatever face structure, like it's not, you know, it's, it's unfair. And then like Hollywood goes and tells us that like, but everybody just looks like this and you're, it's like gaslighting the population, mm-hmm. you know, in a way where it's like, it really frustrates me because I, you know, I'm really lucky to be on, like people of earth is the show that I'm on and I'm the, I'm the hot girl on people of earth. Like I'm the, the, you know, I'm the young like girl that everybody has, a you know, it's like I'm, and, uh, and it's cause I think cause Greg Daniels was involved in casting and he really doesn't like people on his shows, which are about normal people looking like non-normal people. Mm-hmm. Not to say that like really super hot people can't be normal, but usually they don't know how to do their makeup as well as they do on TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, and I, and yeah, I don't know. And like, I'm, 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 I'm really happy on my show because everyone is, you know, really, really talented. And, um, and there's just this like, um, currency put on your ability to like, you know, I don't know. You're, nobody's there because they're somebody's kid. Nobody's there because, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's no, I don't know. I, yeah. That, it, obviously, I struggle with this stuff all the time because I'm in this industry and I'm a feminist and I've, been raised to think you know my mom never told me I was pretty growing up she was just like (laughs) like she told like she was like she wouldn't even let people say that I was pretty like you know if people complimented me or whatever she'd be like that's not we don't say that like and I grew up and then I was like mom I was like pretty in high school and she was like yeah you were the whole time (laughs) the whole time (laughs) I never told you and I was like you got away with it you know (laughs) um and I'm glad for that 
you know, because I got to be a kid longer, I think, you know, in a lot of ways. What kind of uh, compliments did she allow? Um, You know, people said I was talented or smart or funny or whatever. Mm -hmm. Did you want to act young? Yes, I did. Yeah, I always wanted to act. Um, I was really good at impressions from a really young age. Like I did this Michael Keaton impression (laughs) from Batman. Um, And that was when I was like six or something or five or six. And I remember just people being enthralled and I loved that feeling. Um, And I knew that theater, theater, there was a really vibrant theater, especially children's theater um, community in Minneapolis where I grew up. And I wanted to be a part of it. But I think my mom, my mom was really young when she had me. And I think she um, didn't know how much to push me into Mm -hmm. it. You know, a lot of parents at that time in the theater world like it was like, competitive and they were like spending all the money and like my mom didn't have a ton of money and also didn't want to be one of those parents that pressured her kid into doing anything at all so yeah I went to high school um for theater like it was like a th- public high school with a really strong theater program and did you I- have to apply to get in yes all what the schools all the public schools you had to apply to get oh in. really yeah it was like a transcript and essay thing i don't know something like because it was a magnet no Mm -hmm. was it i don't know anyway um maybe i'm lying about that but uh i you know what now i don't trust you yeah no everything i say if i say it with enough authority in my voice it becomes true i I just wondered if there was like a monologue that you had to do no 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 no. it was like a public school that just had like the the strongest theater of all the public schools and josh hartnett went there did you know him um no i did not he Mm. was two grades above me um, and I tried out for every play for two years and I never even got a call back. And I was just like, I know I was, I knew at that point I was good. Like I was sure mm-hmm. that I was more talented than some of the people. So I was already developing that like entitlement that, you know what I mean? Like that curses you later on. And I was already developing like resentments and stuff. And I just quit. Like I stopped doing it entirely. And I was like, this is, this world isn't for me. Because the other thing was, like, I didn't like hanging out with theater people. Like, I didn't get involved. I didn't like Les Mis. Like, I wasn't, like, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have, like, the Scottish play. I was, like, just say Macbeth. I, I, I just didn't <laughs> care about stuff like that. And I just didn't. So I was, like, I couldn't see myself in that world at all. So I just started doing, like, fine art and visual stuff and, you know, painting and drawing and stuff. And mm-hmm. I took a different track. So for a long time, I didn't do any theater or anything like that. Looking back on it, why do... What are your thoughts now about why you didn't get those parts? I just, um, I think it was partially nepotism. Like, I think there wasn't, you know, my parents weren't involved in the theater program. They didn't know any, I didn't, all the kids already knew each other. They were already doing outside curriculum stuff. Um, And also, I just was this brat, you know, and I like came in. In, I think I came in in this way where I was like, this is, I'm, I deserve this. And, you know, I was not prepared as much as everybody else was. And, you know, I think I probably showed promise, but it was, it wasn't something where like anybody wanted to invest time in me. Cause I was mm-hmm. just kind of an asshole. You know but what you I mean? Like, gracious about it. No, so very young. I was really young and I just was like, you know, I think one of my auditions for something I, I like made a joke at the end of my song, like just like, it was like going really well and then I couldn't handle it and I just got, had to get ironic about it or something. You know, I'm like too, I was too cool, you know, from the beginning. (laughs) Right. And like, they were like, yeah, this isn't, (laughs) we all care about this. So, you know, and I was like too insecure to, Mm -hmm. to truly care or something. So, you know, I think I could sense that. It's interesting. I lately look back and think, 
God, I was so entitled. Like people say that it's a problem <laughs> with, are you, wait, are you millennial? Your tail. I your, think so. Yeah. yeah. In my brain, when people say millennial, I still think that that means like very young people. And I have to mm. remind myself that no, they're not mm, that young yeah. anymore. But it's a problem with uh, millennials, I guess, or even probably not even younger because even younger is like saving the world from uh, yeah. from school shooters. So <laughs> yeah. go them. But <laughs> this like y- the young people, they don't, you know, they don't want to work hard. They just want everything handed to them. They blah, 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 blah. They're so entitled. I think that that might just be all young people. I really because think Because I is. think about the my behavior and I, I was talented, but I think about some of my behavior in like, cause I, I worked at magazines and at the very mm-hmm. beginning of those jobs and things like that. And I, I kind of cringe at like, Oh God, I, yeah. I had so much to learn. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you just think the world is like, you know, and maybe it's something to do with your parents telling you that you're special in a mm-hmm. way. And I had a bit of that for sure. I mean, I was a only child, so, you know, um, but I don't know anybody who didn't have at least some of that. So, right. Yeah. So you got away from acting and you did fine art and painting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that was in high school, you're saying? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then what was your path after that? Yeah, I went to a college for that. I went to a school called the Cooper Union in, in New York that had a fine arts school. And um, yeah, I studied sculpture, painting, drawing, photography, like performance. I did everything because the school was not structured. They didn't have a, like a lot of the... Fine art schools have a track where you choose, okay, I'm a graphic designer or I'm a, you know, I work in printmaking. My major is printmaking Mm -hmm. and then you do that for four years and this school is not like that because it was focused on like grooming like the future, uh, you know, Matthew Barney's. Like it was trying to create like contemporary um, genius and so it wasn't limiting anybody. So a lot of kids were already there. Like they were like presenting the same project in all their different classes and stuff and they were very focused and I was so jealous of them because I couldn't do that. Like I couldn't focus ever on one thing. Every class I did, I I made a different thing for that. And it's just like so much work. And I created so much work for myself. And I mean, it was an incredible education um, in, just in terms of like learning critical thinking. But, you know, when I graduated, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do because I did not have a portfolio really. I mean, I had some stuff, but like it, my career in college was not very prolific like they're so I I I just like went and worked in a a retail store for a long time and I had a job all through high school I worked in this store in Soho called Anna (laughs) Sui and um I was like kind of involved in fashion a little bit and so I thought you know I'd somehow get in the into the fashion world and at that time I was like doing a lot of drugs (laughs) I was like I'm gonna be a model (laughs) so I'm gonna be the first like five foot two. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think like I was, you know, I was pot mostly, but then there was a stint where I did a lot of Coke and you have to in New York. Yeah. It's just required. It was a weird time. Like I just, you know, and it was, it's kind of strange because I don't know why I didn't get worse, you know, mm-hmm. with that drug. Like it never, like I definitely lied and steal stole and stuff like that. And I got through like, you know, I destroyed really like you do. Coke is a very destructive drug. And, but I never, like I kind of got out of it. Like I kind of grew out of that. And that's kind of strange for me because I'm eventually now I'm sober. And Mm -hmm. I was like, why didn't I, um, hold myself up and just like, you know, um, maybe it just wasn't for me, but, uh, but I did that. And then I just worked in retail for a long time. And and that, 
that was in New York or that was in high school? That was in New York. Okay. Yeah. I have to I have to issue a correction, not a correction, an amendment to something I said. When I said you have to in New York, that makes it sound like I'm saying, hey, everyone go out and do <laughs> drugs, which is not what I'm saying. I'm commenting on my own mistakes I made in yeah. my past in yeah. New York as well. That's I mean, honestly, who even that? knows what the drugs in New York are like now? Yeah. I mean, it could just be, I don't know. Jingle jangle. I don't know what they. they <laughs> is that create. a real thing? That's it. That's what they call the drugs on um, Riverdale. Is a show that I watch, and there's a drug in town that's just like corrupting everyone, and it's called jingle jangle, and it comes in a pixie stick. So, should I get into Riverdale? I mean, we're only two seasons in so far. It's pretty hilarious. It's like one of the funniest shows. <laughs> huh? Maybe I need to watch it. Did you watch Pretty Pretty Little Liars? No, I didn't. I didn't. I think the name of the show just turned me off. It turned me off for a long time. I remember on this show asking, like, whatever happened to Anna years ago? Whatever mm-hmm. happened to Annabeth Gish? And mm-hmm. just getting a whole, like, torrent of, of <laughs> tweets being like, she's on Pretty Little Liars. She's on Pretty Little Liars. She's on Pretty Little Liars. And I had no interest in that show. And mm-hmm. then I don't know what happened. I did. I think I did a podcast and I heard the host talking about it or something. And finally I checked it out. And then... It wasn't worth all the time I invested. It was similar really? to trying to find pictures of my teeth. Yeah. But <laughs> I did end up watching it. Yeah. I don't know. It, like, I mean, for me, R- Riverdale is like The Bachelor. It's a group watch situation. You know, I watched the first season. I binged it on a plane. And then I'm like the second season I'm watching with friends and stuff. And it's just like, it's very, um, the whole mythology of Riverdale is very, you know, I don't know. It's so stylized. It's such an interesting, not interesting, but it's just, just a weird world. And I'm very attracted to Cole Sprouse, who's the uh, guy who plays. I Brad am. Pitt. I kind of am He's too. He's so hot. He's like a beautiful yeah. lesbian. And now Dylan Sprouse as well, though, because they look mm-hmm. the same, right? Do they? Yes, I think so. That's his twin brother. I am. I've never seen Dylan's. Hair. Well, Dylan, I think, has longer hair. I've seen like he's in the background of some of yeah. those pictures. I do Instagram stalk him all the time. It's great. He has a great Instagram presence. Here's what I think. I think if you had your shot at a Sprouse and you could groom them however you wanted, mm. I think you'd be happy with either. Oh, is that? Either of them. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. I they believe. Because they came from the same crop. So they're like both. Because the thing about Cole is that like, he's like, he, he's very funny and he's on Instagram. He's like super um, ironic all the time about fame and stuff like that. He has another Instagram where he takes pictures of people taking pictures of him. You know, he just seems like a cool dude, you know? So like, I'm sure they're both somewhat like that. I'm sure one brother isn't just randomly like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I was shocked because I just know them as playing Ross's son on friends. So I was shocked to see how, yeah. Like, oh my God, they're old and they're and they're cute. The Secret Life of, Life of Zach and Cody or whatever oh, the show yeah. they came up on. Like I was telling my manager, I was like, I want I want to date Cole Sprouse. So you have to get me a date with. <laughs> tell her I give her these ridiculous tasks all the time. Oh, She's who, like, who else? You mean the Secret Life of Zach and Cody? <laughs> <laughs> it's like no. And then she sets me up with normal people. Yeah. Who else have you tasked her with setting you up with? I can't. Re- I mean, usually it's a like a person I want to meet. That's just like you know, like what how, you know, I don't know. How can I work with Beyonce? Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you were doing some drugs, didn't get too crazy though, working in fashion. You're going to be a, a tiny model. Yes. And then then what happened? Uh, somehow I just you got messed to LA around. And- yeah, I mean, I messed around for a while and then I uh, one day um, a friend of mine was like, I'm going to take, well, it's kind of a, a little circuitous path to getting into improv but my um my friend was a fashion designer I had this friend and she was like I'm gonna use my friends in a show you should 
you should walk in my show. And I was like, yes, I'm a model. So, <laughs> um, she did that. And then the next year she did a film and hired like this film crew with a real director who was like a commercial director. And I'd never done anything like that before. And, and he, um, it was like this, one of those film fashion presentation things where you're just doing like vignettes and stuff. And I remember working like, being in a scene, wearing an outfit, and he was telling me, like, my motivation for, like, what kind of, like, you know, oh, you're, like, looking at the tree or whatever. And for some reason, I just was like, oh, it, oh, I'm good at this. This is something I'm really good at. I know I can do this. You know, not the being beautiful on camera thing, but the, um, well, partially that, but also just, like, he was telling me something and I could do, I feel, I felt like I had a relationship with the camera Mm -hmm. that was different than when I was, you know, taking pictures or having my picture taken or, you know, looking at it through a video. Like it was something there was there. And and so I started doing um, background work and I met some kids who were kind of cool. And then I started doing um, improv, uh, kind of just like exploring this whole thing. And my second improv class, I was like, it was on. I was like, and I'm this was never. In New York? Yeah. Uh, I took uh, Curtis Gwynn. Do you know who that is? Yes. I took his 201 class and he was. Is at, that UCB? Yeah. He was like such a good teacher at this thing. He kind of fell off, but he was like so in it and he was so like harsh and he made comedy seem like something that was a serious art. You know, it was serious, like high minded shit. And before that, I never thought about doing comedy in any way because I was a serious artist in my mind, you know, very entitled. I was like, oh, I'm I'm intellectual. Like I had this incredibly prestigious education and I knew all about you know, uh, Kierkegaard and all this mm-hmm. stuff and whatever. I mean, high school kids know about that, but like I was, um, yeah, but, I, but I, I had but these lofty from ideas. That education, you, I remember being like, I don't think I could ever marry someone who doesn't have an advanced degree in literature. Right. <laughs> like right. when you're so close to all that, that pool of knowledge, it, it, I know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to just hang out. And like the thing about like what I thought about theater kids were like, cause it's just like, I didn't, I didn't want to spend my time doing something stupid and frivolous, mm-hmm. you know, even though I was just like working in retail, you know, I always felt like there was something bigger out there for me. And that's the kind of, I guess, millennial idea of entitlement. But for me, it was something that I wanted to dedicate my life to, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And then when I started doing improv in Curtis Gwynn's class, it was just like, boom, I knew it right there. I tasted it. And then I met a guy in that class um, who was a stand-up comedian and just doing open mics and he took me out to some open mics and I my first set I killed in front of five people and you know then I bombed for six months but I just fell so hard for that you know and um I was also going through a breakup at that time with a guy that I thought I was going to marry and we were he was living with me he left and and it was really tragic in my personal life so like just finding comedy was just like this huge godsend. It was like, oh, I don't need anything but this. This is everything for the rest of my life, you know. And it's kind of been that way. Did for you me talk for about what you were going through on stage? Like, I like think Midge? I did. I think I did a bit, but I was, you know, into. I got really into stand up and like watching stand ups and you know, you know, people like um, Wendy Liebman and and Sarah Silverman and so like joke writing, you mm-hmm. know, the the like. Sp- specifics of that and so I was like really working on like observational stuff um at the time and uh and so I don't know if I went too personal too quickly but now now I talk about stuff in my personal life did um stand up resonate with you in a different way than improv yeah um 
eventually I, I kept doing improv for years, but eventually, you know, it just became clear that I, you need to choose a path and, and, and stand up made more sense to my sensibility. I'm more, um, I, I, I like working on, on my own in the sense that like, I do like collaboration when other people are willing to pick up, you know, the grunt work, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I've written, I've written scripts with people who are like about taking my voice, my ideas and putting them on paper, like doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like the stuff that is not interesting to me. Yes, you go collaborate with me and do that, you know. But like when it's improv and it's like making room for other people's ideas, I'm so controlling that it's it was always really hard for me. And um, and I also just like at a certain point, I think at this at the time that I was doing stand up in New York, stand up and improv were like very pitted against each other Mm -hmm. it was really weird there was like this competitive like stand-up versus improv vibe and I chose stand-up very much because I felt that stand-up was um more of a meritocracy at the time like I I felt like in New York if you went up on stage and nobody knew who you were but you had a killer joke that actually was well written people would listen to you and if you were in improv like there was this whole like, got your back, got your back. But like, it was actually, you would stab anybody to get onto a Herald team type mm-hmm. of thing. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like I don't, at least in stand up, you'd go on stage and if somebody sucked, you'd go on stage right after them and tell them why they sucked in front of everybody. You know, there was right. no, like, there's no smoke and mirrors. There was no smoke and mirrors. And it was all about like roasting each other and being really brutally honest. And like at the time when I was in my early twenties, like that was what I wanted to do. And that's what I needed. So actually, I mean, I think I was, probably late 20s at that point so yeah my god that makes me need to go outside and (laughs) vape or i could do it right here vaping is pretty popular right now no ash no odor no brainer but sometimes it's hard to find a satisfying vape that's simple and convenient so blue who introduced vaping to the world is now introducing my blue my blue gives you all the satisfaction with none of the hassle just click and go with my blues easy to use one quick liquid pods you can switch between flavors in seconds you have a range of delicious flavors to choose from just 20 minutes to charge and you're set all day plus it comes with a free limited lifetime device warranty called my care ready to make the switch try my blue to Day at myblue.com. Enter code Rosen during checkout for 10% off your order. That's myblue, M Y B L U.com. Enter Rosen at checkout. I love that because I'm a very indecisive person who needs to try all the flavors of everything. So this is right up my alley. Is, um, is that, I think that's the same company that made the kind and true detective. When she was vaping in the car, it was Rachel McAdams. I actually and haven't like, seen True Detective. It was like, I'm like the, the only coolest person. version of vaping I've ever seen. I think it is. Yeah. I was like, actually, that looks dope. Anyway. There you go. There you go. Myblue.com. Enter code Rosen at checkout. A question from before that is on my mind. Mm. Um, what was it that made you think you wanted to be a model? Like, what about that appealed to you? Okay. Well, um, I was very into watching America's Next Time Model. <laughs> so... Um, I I love Tyra. I think she's the my fa- she's just such a psychotic um, genius, I think. Because to the naked eye, like modeling is not a skill. It is a thing that you are born into because you look a certain way. And to a certain extent that's totally true. But um being able to like evoke like a certain like watching top model especially in its heyday like you started to learn that like certain people who look a certain way don't actually have the skill of modeling because Mm -hmm. 
these people who looked like total freaks off camera would like be able to contort their faces and bodies and also like express themselves in this really, really subtle way to, uh, to create sort of a vibe or a, um, an, I mean, it's like, it was, it was truly like, it seemed like a real art form to me. And it was like, that was so interesting and fascinating. Like why somebody like Kate Moss was able to become Kate Moss was so interesting. And so, you know, and I was still really vain. Um, and I still (laughs) am completely, but, um, it, uh, it just made me like, I was like, and I, and I started to like pay really close attention to what her (laughs) Tyra's like instructions were for like, you know, how to like move your body differently and like how to find your light. And so when this friend of mine who was a fashion designer started doing these, that film project and taking pictures, like I noticed that like, even though I wasn't thin as thin as the other girls in the, you know, I looked thinner in the photos because I was like, I knew how to do it. I was like, this is so fun. Yeah. I was like, this is so fun. Like I, I am able to like translate this weird TV show into like a real life pursuit. So I was like, I was kind of into that. And I was like, you know, I loved clothes and I was like, you know, I was totally a carry at the time. So I was like, yeah, let me get involved in this world and be the first like, you know, tiny model. And I remember this guy that I knew that was a photographer who was like super popular in college. He was like, I saw him at a party and I was like, yeah, I'm going to model. I'm going to be a model. <laughs> and I remember him being like, oh, oh, you know, his reaction was so like, no, you're not. <laughs> and uh, and I remember that making me even more determined, you know, and looking back i'm just like he's so correct like mm-hmm. <laughs> also like i you know i just wasn't doing any of the stuff that you i don't know it was just like another version of my own entitlement i think you know so you were doing stand up in new york uh, at what point did you decide to come out here um i got married um to a man who was a stand up and we moved out here together so he wanted to leave uh he wanted to leave new york and it seemed like time for him to do that and I also I was fine I'd lived in New York for 13 years and I was like you know if there's stand-up opportunities elsewhere like yes let's do it um we moved out and I got a job uh pretty quickly on girl code in in New York which is kind of what started me making money from doing stand-up type comedy stuff before that in New York I was making quite a bit of money doing commercial acting Mm -hmm. so I had already quit my job and I was able to like I can just get an agent out there so I was like, yeah. It's, it's, but then Girl Code was in New York. But then Girl Code was so in New York. So would you fly so there to back. do it? Yeah. Yeah. You're not married anymore, right? No, no. So we, what happened? We um, we were married in Brooklyn, and then we got to L.A. and had through a wedding, through a wedding. And people in our family didn't know we were already married, but we had gotten married for the health insurance. So we, you know, it's For just, who to have it? Him, because I had SAG mm-hmm. um, from commercial acting. He just, you know, we were both in the throes of like me in the throes of early alcoholism for sure. I was getting drunk a lot, and he was um, also an alcoholic, but he was not drinking. He was just, you know, using a lot of weed and um, kind of. We were doing. We just got married for the wrong reason. That you know, I realize now was an immature attempt to become adults through Mm. getting married you know I think we'd both been through you know we both fucked around a lot and we both have been like the kind of always at the kids table type people and we wanted to be taken seriously more than anything I know that was what I felt and he I kind of shared that Mm -hmm. and I think we felt like if we kind of teamed up you know we're like let's do this together and it worked for a while and I 
you know, I love him still to this day very deeply. It just has, you know, changed into like a non-romantic and a platonic love. And I think he feels the same way about me. I mean, I still have a very familial connection with him. Um, and we're friends. He actually texted me this morning, but, um, and, but it's also because we're both now in the program and it enables us to have a, like a real friendship. Um, but yeah, it, it just, I think for me, I realized like, I'm not done. This isn't what I, this isn't what I meant to do. I didn't mean to be, you know, um, I, we weren't going to, we weren't going to be able to make it work. And he was kind of trying to tell me that for a long time, you know? And I was like, no, we get married and we're make it. And it's like, why, you know, you don't, he was trying to tell you that before you got married. I think before we had the wedding, after we got married and before we had the actual wedding, like we can get out of this, we can get out of this. And I was like, no, we're in it. We already did it. We have to follow through and we're going to make it work. And that's just what it is. And it just, it was already disintegrating and, and I wasn't able to admit it. So how long were you together? Um, we were together like over three years. Mm-hmm. So when it disintegrated or when it came undone, was that acrimonious? Uh, not really. It was a, it was a bit of a mess. Um, you know, I think he felt jilted a little bit more than I did. Um, but I had spent a long time in a relationship feeling jilted. So there is that the relationship um, with him. Yeah. Um, but how, how do you mean? Like it, he, um, I don't know. I, I had felt for a while that he was just kind of shutting me out emotionally and like, I just didn't feel connected to him and I was trying to, and I just didn't feel like he was, I feel like he was rejecting me a lot. Mm-hmm. I just kind of felt rejected in a certain way. And he, it was, it was just like us responding to our insecurities through our relationship, but not communicating about them. And I, I, I will say that in, in the time allotted, we gave it our all. Mm-hmm. We just weren't, I just wasn't there maturity wise to be able to recognize reality. You know, I was very out of touch and, uh, and so is he in a, in a way. Um, but I'm really glad that I did it because I know, I mean, it taught me everything about how to be a person in relationships and how to be, you know, just from the mistakes that I made, Mm -hmm. you know, what had been your, um, relationship patterns before that? Just, (laughs) I mean, I think one of the reasons I got married is because I was like, I'm done. I'm done dealing with like guys who don't care about me or guys that I care about that or guys that do care about me that I don't really want to deal with. You know, it just was like an oscillating like I was either chasing somebody or being chased. I was Mm -hmm. never in any sort of real relationship with somebody who like I felt like was showing up and Mm -hmm. I was showing up and we were both working on it it just was never like that I mean the one relationship I had when I lived with somebody was was like that but um you know that was we were just not right for each other and um yeah it just dysfunction after just new new kinds of dysfunction over and over and you know and I used people a lot and I didn't know that I was doing it you know um, and, uh, in what way did you use them? I think, you know, for validation, I, I use people for their, you know, um, companionship. Like, you know, I was rarely alone. I was like, I'd spend three months by myself and be like, well, that was fun. You know, <laughs> who's here? You know, it's kind of how it was. And my friends would tell me, you know, you have to be alone. You have to be alone. And I was like, I am alone. It's been a fortnight, you know? <laughs> and then somebody would show up, you know, and I'd be like, well, you'll do. You're my new boyfriend. And they'd be mm-hmm. like, no, 
<laughs> um, yeah, so I put my friends and family through a series of like rough <laughs> relationships that I was in for no reason. Like I just didn't need to be have a boyfriend, but I felt like I did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, do you feel like your issues, which I feel like is the wrong word. It's the right word, but it feels like a cold word. And I don't mean to, I don't <laughs> mean to cast a judgment on it because I'm full of issues. <laughs> but do you feel like that stuff comes from your childhood? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think it comes from childhood. I also think it comes from, for me, like absorbing, like you have to work really hard for young women to make them think that they're okay on their own. It's really difficult. We do not live in a world that teaches young women that their lives are about anything besides getting married. And, you know, I think that that is just now starting to change in a way because of, I think, gender fluidity. Um, You know, young women have a lot more examples of what it looks like to be um, a self-possessed single woman. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of Tracy Ellis Ross right now. Did you see her um, talk for Glamour Magazine? She did this. No, but I heard about about it. Yeah. Um, fulfilled and alone and, and it just it's revolutionary because we don't it's we think of women as being these vessels for childbearing I mean that's really what we think about even if we mask that in other ways it's just like you know having it all for a woman means having a partner and a child that's it that's all you know and it means having a career in addition to the rest of the things which are at all having mm-hmm. it all for a man isn't that you know men are essentially allowed to be ch- children forever until they die you know cuz they don't go through like women go through this thing where they are children and then they hit puberty and they're no longer children their bodies start to belong to the world in this way that is very can be really traumatizing and fucked up um and for some women it starts <laughs> younger because they're molested um and so it it's this journey towards knowing where you fit in in society as a woman that um starts really really young and you start to learn that your place in the world is to like be in some way in service to a man or you know have a man be in service to you in some way and i also had um my mom was really young my mom was really young when she had me she was she was 22 so she was like, you know, not a teenager, but um, independent in a way. And she, you know, she tried really hard to undo those lessons, I think. And it worked to a certain extent. Um, but I she had... She sounds so... And I'm going to use a word that uh, I feel like is... I don't, it's going to sound weird coming out of my... She sounds so woke. <laughs> yeah. My mom is very, very... What is she Very do? woke. She's extremely... Um, she's like a... She's a brilliant mind. And she uh, she's a writer and she works in museums. She's a, like an education... She's a head of education at the Corning Museum of Glass in Corning, New York. Um, but she's had like a long career mm. of doing um, museum education and new media. And like she's kind of in the museum world. She's very famous. Uh, but so when I was younger, you know, my dad, my mom and my dad were divorced and she had me on weeks and he had me on weekends and he was an alcoholic and he had a lot of fucked up ideas about partnership and and what being single meant and for him um being alone was the worst thing you could be and he hammered that into my head like you know just you cannot be alone being alone is like the worst way you can be you have to have a partner look at the world like everything everything around you all the people that are validated in the world have have a marriage have a partner it's like a really weird message to give your kid and 
he wasn't trying to like instill it in me. He was just complaining about his own life, you know, right. and focus on himself. But it fell in really, you know, yeah. strongly for me. So I just never felt like my life would be okay if I was by myself. So I always, I always had a boyfriend. Um, yeah. Did your dad have a partner? No. He was, you know, had a rotating series of women that he would torture. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, do you have memories of them being together? No, because they got divorced when I was one. The divorce was finalized. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and I'm always like, I'm one of those kids that was like, I'm so glad my parents got divorced because like, I cannot imagine them together. You know, it would have been a nightmare. So I'm glad they did get divorced. Was your mom aware that you were getting this message? No, she really wasn't. Um, I think she, I would say things sometimes and she'd be like, where are you getting? Like, I remember so often my mom being like baffled by the things I would say. And then also the way I thought about myself, you know, I I was, I felt that I was worthless, you know, all the time. Like I have these like, you know, (laughs) I hate myself, you know, which is the thing that kids kind of go through this thing. Mm -hmm. And my mom would be like, I've done all this work to make you love yourself and be, you know, full of self-confidence and, you know, joie de vivre. And like, I've worked so hard. I'm like, where are you getting this message? And, and my dad was like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> but it's like totally. I mean, he, he didn't help. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I have very, a very strong streak of alcoholism in my family. It's a, you know, in my, in my mind, a bit of a, uh, a, genetic disease and um i think i took to it Mm -hmm. i took to the ideas behind um alcoholism and self-obsession and um the fundamental idea i think what what's behind a lot of people's alcoholism is the fundamental idea that's kind of inescapable in your head that you will not have enough Mm -hmm. that you will not be taken care of in a way you know um so i i sort of just had this sneaking idea that that was going to be there for my whole life and so Something that I've only now begun to really deal with. And what uh, made you decide to get clean? You know, it's hard for me to even pinpoint because I didn't have a crazy, you know, blow up. Oh, it's this is the bottom. It. I mean, I definitely had several times in my life where I would wake up and like, people would, you know, my cats would be coming in and out, you know, and the door was open. I was like, just like, and I made a lot of mistakes in terms of like people I slept with and stuff, but, um, and blacking out was totally a problem. But by the time I quit, I hadn't really blacked out in a while. And it was just a recognition of like, um, I don't have a say anymore about how much I drank. Mm. Like, I just realized like, Oh, it, it is. It hasn't been for quite some time, and it isn't now up to me how much I have to drink. You know, like where you can say, like, um, I had addictive behaviors with like shopping and other things, but um, like if you go you to a salad bar and you're like, I'm gonna have one plate of salad, and you have a couple, or so, it was that. It was different from that. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like something. Something very concrete takes over when I drink, and I. Realized, were you trying to limit it? Like, yeah, you, yeah. I had realized that three was the max, and if I had more than three, shit was not okay. And so I went out every night, and I just like not going to drink tonight, and I would always have one. 
And then I would say, I'm only having three tonight because it's a Friday and I can afford to sleep in. And then I would not have, I'd way more than three. And I was like, this is a pattern. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, a friend of mine who I grew up with was like, um, I'm thinking to go to a meeting when you get back to LA. And, and we were, um, I was like, well, she needs help, you know? <laughs> and we went to a meeting and I just, heard the things that I needed to hear. Did you go with her because you were curious or were you supporting her? I was her? curious for myself. I felt that it was time to start exploring what might be real for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got there, I was like, yeah, yeah, these people have what I have. I know I'm, I'm I know I'm in the right place. And it was a sort of relief, a relief to know that I didn't need to drink anymore. And if I was going to, you know, finally face some shit that's what i was just ready you know mm-hmm. so it, it i think that's why it died for whatever reason i was just ready and how long ago was that two years ago a little no, yeah two because i was gonna ask in three months did the addictive behaviors get in the way of your career but it sounds like your your career was already off you and know, running it was off and running and i started to really worry about that because i was you know going to meetings drunk <laughs> And going to auditions hungover and starting to, my career was always the centerpiece of my life. And I always, I loved doing what I, you know, I was so happy, but I also was very resentful and full of, um, you know, jealousy and, uh, of other people that would <laughs> yes, get stuff and comparing myself and all this stuff and obsessive, obsessive, uh, behaviors. And so I started to realize, you know, now that I look back, I can recognize resentments, obsessive behaviors, but like at the time I was starting to realize that, Oh, I, I, if I don't get a hold of this, um, I'm going to get drunk at the wrong party and I'm going to do, you know, like I, I definitely, something was going to give Mm -hmm. and I didn't want it to be that I wanted to, you know, my marriage had already fallen apart and I was like not in a good place in my dating life, but I, you know, still had some friends. I still had my career. My family still was there and I just was like, I cannot lose it. So, Mm. Um, to go back to something we were talking about before, what was your mom's reaction to your marriage? She was really surprised when I got engaged and she was really, um, upset when I got divorced. Why? Um, you know, she just, she loved him and, uh, it was hard for her in the first place when I got engaged because she felt blindsided by it and we have a really close relationship. And so that for her was like, I think a... Um, like, you know, in Maisel, when Midge's mom starts to feel like on the outside of her life, Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of what my mom's going through. Like, I don't even, who are you, you know? And that was sort of scary for her. And, um, yeah. And, and so when I got divorced, she was just like, so this whole thing, you know, was a waste for me that I went through, you know, and it's like not about her, but at (laughs) the same time, like, yeah, I did do that. I really did do that to her. So, uh, yeah, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a great time for us. Wait, you did what to her? Cause I don't like think I, you did anything to her, even though I don't well, really when know you her get, at all. When you elope or when you, you know, your parents get upset when you elope, yeah, right? I guess I, yeah. And so when you get married, the whole reason behind getting married, I mean, as right, far as society concern yeah. is to involve people, you know? And it's just sort of like, I, I believe that and I have always believed that. So I feel like involving my entire life and saying like, guys, you know, it's 
basically a way to say, guys, I'm going to do this now. And if, if shit hits the fan, you got to be there and keep it together. And so to do that to everybody in my life and then to say a year later, just kidding. I don't know. Not for everybody, but for my mother, at least that was like, I put a lot of emotional investment in this relationship. This person is a part of our family now, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, yeah. I rescind what I said earlier. It's interesting. My husband um, has a lot of similar thoughts about like a wedding. is It's a community. It's a chance to like announce mm-hmm. to the community that you're, and I'm like, no, a wedding is about us. Yeah. <laughs> um, Certain weddings. Yeah. <laughs> ours ended up not ours ended up not being, but it's like a very very much a I different I feel like a Lord philosophy. of the Rings themed wedding is very much about you. Yeah. you a know? Disney wedding, a Disney is wedding. You. Yeah, a princess wedding, all a of those. A pirate wedding. <laughs> is very <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um let's do a segment called Just Me or Everyone, but first I want to tell you guys about Beachbody on Demand. Beachbody on Demand is an easy to use streaming service that gives you instant access to a wide variety of super effective workouts you can do from the comfort of your living room 24 seven. Uh, this is the company behind P- brands you've probably heard of P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, T25, Brazil Butt Lift, Pio, Hip Hop Abs, Three Week Yoga Retreat, and more. In the old days, you had to tote around a bunch of DVDs and potentially a DVD play. Well, yeah. It's the only way to play a DVD is on some kind of device that you play it on. It's a streaming service now. It's so convenient. You can view on your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, and more. Workouts as short as 10 minutes that don't require extra equipment and the time it takes you to drive and park at the gym. You could be finished working out. It's so great if you travel for work, just if you don't want to have to go to the gym. Um, it's the, the, it's super duper convenient and there's so many different programs you can choose from. There's great celebrity super trainers like Sean T, Shailene Johnson, Tony Horton, and Autumn Calabrese. Um, I did it when I was pregnant and I did the active maternity workout. There's different programs depending on what trimester you're in. And it is very, very difficult. I thought this is going to be a breeze. It's not a breeze. Not in, Actually, Autumn Calabrese was the teacher. It's not a breeze. It's very, very hard. And they have uh, mommy and me programs as well. So there's like yoga and there's uh, workouts that you can do with your little one. Um, you join over 1 million people currently on Beachbody On Demand. Listeners of Allison Rosen is your new best friend can try it absolutely free. I really want you to try this service because it'll change the way you work out. Right now, my listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, to 303030. You'll get full access to this entire platform for free, all the workouts, the nutrition information and support, totally free. Again, just text Allison to 303030. Okay. I did it, and now I weigh one pound. One? You, I can barely even see you. I floated away again. Help. <laughs> uh, oh, also, I want to tell you guys I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. All sorts of bonus stuff. Um, behind the scenes stuff, bonus episodes, uh, interactive live stream, merch in the mail, all sorts of fun stuff. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Okay, let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? 
Okay, so this is where people write in with things that they think or they do and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? (laughs) And we weigh in as well. Nick Heidenreich says, when it comes to putting in contacts, there is one good eye and one evil eye. I don't wear contacts, (laughs) but I can imagine. I find that when it comes to putting on makeup or eyeliner, there's one eye that's Mm -hmm. where it's easier. Yeah. I also have an evil eye. (laughs) that's right so it's across the board i feel like that's got to be everyone anytime there's two of something one is gonna yeah pull into the lead like the the like you have your cole sprouse but you have your dylan sprouse right those are the eyes you have your jessica wakefield and your elizabeth wakefield (laughs) clausen cookies says pay more attention to people saying excuse me pay more attention to saying happy birthday to people on facebook when your own birthday is approaching i seem to pay less attention to it most of the year I wow, don't really do that. Um I ha- so I have my like public page on Facebook and then my personal page on Facebook and I just don't spend that much time on Facebook. I don't spend any time on Facebook, but I are I you're, are you doing it. Facebook blackout? Uh No, because I'd have to go on Facebook right. to do that, right? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to just delete eventually because I've literally not looked at my Facebook forever. So I don't, I mean, I use it to log into other things. Like right. I used this app called Design Home. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, are you on Design Home? Yes, just we because have to Jen, become friends. Jen Kirkman posted about it and I'm like, I'm oh my God, play Jen's that. on it. Okay. Well, yes. See, now this is a reason to stay on Facebook, but um, I've I lo- only designed two rooms with though. It. I got to yeah, get back into I'm it. I'm level like 20. It's amazing. Can we talk about this for a minute? Because yes. I'm not a big game person. Yeah. I always want to be. I always yeah. feel like that would be a good like relaxing or yeah. or stress producing kind of thing to yeah. do. I don't get into them that much. I was into Sims for a little while yeah. when I first got a mini iPad a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, okay. So how so I've designed a couple rooms mm-hmm. and like spent some money to purchase furniture to put in the rooms mm-hmm. but when I log in I just kind of I like how does it work how do you do it how am I how are you supposed to play oh I every day I go in and I check my scores from whatever's come in and they'll get the prizes and so as who's get, voting on it pe- teens you know of whoever's <laughs> involved whoever's okay. on the app so it's, you can see people's avatars as you vote like who they are you know sort of and it's like the demographics are all over the map um but uh, yeah, you have to vote to get keys to enter new competitions. So that's who's everybody's voting on everybody. And the algorithm is based on, I don't know, it's like super randomized. So like, that's why your scores can be all over the place. But like, the fun of it is that it's Sims without the people. Right. So um, I log in in the morning and I get my scores and then I go into the daily challenge. Every day you get 20 keys for free. And then I do the daily challenge and the daily challenge gives you $2,500 And you ch- Is there, but there's like a number of daily challenges, right? One. There's just one. There's okay. one daily and the daily one gives you 2500 Oh, right, right, right. Every okay. other one gives you 500 except for the elite challenges, which, which give you a thousand. Um, so, or the seasonal, I think they give you an extra bonus. So like, I do the ones that give you the extra bonus and then I just do whatever other ones are interesting to me. If I'm feeling like doing a child's bedroom, <laughs> if I'm feeling like doing a veranda, I don't like the outdoor ones as much. Um, I tend to like the modern or the industrial challenges. Oh, I did an industrial you know? one. Like yeah. I really like those and I seem to get good scores when I do mm-hmm. them. So like I just, yeah, all it is is furniture. You're not doing anything else. Like right. you can't actually do the walls or anything. You know, I'm obsessed with HGTV. I love um, Fixer Upper so much. So I want it to be like that. Like I want a Fixer Upper game. But yeah. for now, I have Design Home. I 
was I don't think I voted on anything though. Like, where do you go to vote? Okay, so this you go. I, I literally have it open on home. my phone okay. right now. So you go to the thumbs up at the bottom here. Oh, and it says vote. And so then when you vote, oh, how fun. you choose which one's better. <gasps> kind do you like, like the bottom one? I, like the, I do because I like symmetry. So here's another, um, so do a lot of people. So here's another tip. When you're voting, tap once and another time and it goes faster. So tap twice when you're voting. So instead of doing this, which takes forever, right. go. Okay, it's not working, but. But I hear, I, I yeah, get see, it. There, woo, lightning fast. Okay. And you're getting. You're getting keys I just for got every three time. Three keys for that round of voting. So every five votes you cast three keys, and you need twenty five votes to enter. So you voted so fast. Do you feel like you really gave them a fair shake? No, <laughs> no, I don't. But I usually do. I usually like. I usually put some thought into right. it because it seems like a lot of people don't. And is symmetry does that not appeal to you? I feel I mean, like that's like a real. It's like a real basic. It's basic. Yeah. yeah. So symmetry, but it, like it's it's pleasing to the eye. So that's usually what gets the most. Yeah. Votes. Yeah. It, it feels unfair, though. It, it feels, feels unfair, unfair to me, too. Yeah. I don't think it's... Even though I did emotionally respond to it. Yeah. See? And I emotionally responded to my friend's bedroom in Brooklyn when I saw how, like, perfectly symmetrical mm. her hanging plants were on mm. the windows and her bed was in the center and, like... Love that shit. Yes. She had the best bedroom. Mm. She lives in Seattle now. Uh, okay. Nicole Kendall says, terrified to drive behind people on motorcycles, scared I'm going to hit them or that they will just fall off and then I will hit them. <laughs> I am, I, I don't know if I say terrified, but it makes me nervous. Also, I will give someone on a bike a real wide berth. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, even if they're like, I, I do not want to pull up past them. Cause what if just the, the wind from my car. So I try to not do that with the bicyclists because when I used to cycle, I used to bike in New York and I would hate that when cars would be like, well, I have to drive the other way. Like I'd be like, Oh God, there's so much room. Yeah. Um, so I tried to not do that, but the motorcycle thing. Yeah. I mean, it makes me nervous, but I'm, I'm not petrified because there's so many where we are. They're everywhere. It it makes me nervous. And then just two days ago in Hollywood, Someone passed me on the right in a motorcycle, like on Fountain, mm-hmm. insider talk. That's a, it's a small <laughs> kind of side-ish street in Hollywood. Uh-huh. They passed me on the right between me and parked cars on an electric motorcycle. So oh, it was boy. silent. That's scary. They yeah, need to like, pipe in some sound. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not really, I don't really believe the loud pipes save like, lives, but yeah. this thing was silent and came yeah. flying up by, beside me. Like, it I could make a sound that's like, I'm a motorcycle and I'm going fast. You got it. Yeah. Yes. It's like a really It should be annoying. that. Or like a whoop, 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 whoop whistle or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JMO's for A-Rose says, when someone is, it's another car one, when someone is driving behind me for a while, um, and during that time, I stop for multiple pedestrians, hope they notice and think I'm a great person. <laughs> I guarantee you they don't. They're just annoyed. <laughs> Although I totally uh, get that. I know. I would. I do that too. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I, yeah, I plan out to see, like I drive um, with a superiority complex, you know, but I also drive like my boyfriend says, um, he calls it Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> When I drive. Uh, well, so I have to ask, how's your relationship now, mm. given all the stuff we talked about? It's uh, it's horrible. I got to find a way out. <laughs> I got to get out. You know, I'm just looking for it. No. Um, well, I've only been dating my current boyfriend for six months. I did have a period of actual <laughs> uh, solitude before that, which was great. Um, but 
it's going, yeah, I mean, I, it's a different experience. I'll say that for me post, you know, going through a, what a program and stuff mm-hmm. and getting sober and clean. And I, um, I have to say like, it's, it makes a huge difference. And I mean, the person that I'm with also makes a huge difference. He's an amazing, amazing man. And I'm very lucky to be spending time with him. But, um, yeah, I can't, I can't say too much yet. He's great though. I'm so happy. <laughs> Okay, Sebastian Stoker says, and that's a really cool name. Um, <laughs> as a kid, I was afraid of sharks being in swimming pools, but not natural bodies of water. I oh, relate to this one my strongly God. because I would frequently in the deep end of the pool be like, what if there's a shark down there? And then I would oh, give myself the heebie-jeebies. Me too, but not in the ocean. No, no but, well, but also I was never really in super deep water in the ocean. It's, it's, I think, I wonder if it's the certainty of death that your brain is like unable to process. Yeah. Because sharks are there in the ocean, mm-hmm. like, especially at beaches where there is a shark population. Like, I was watching this documentary one time with this guy, and it was like trying to humanize sharks and make them less, you know, like scary monsters mm-hmm. to people. And the guy who's like the shark, they're always Australian, the shark <laughs> scientist be, yeah. or whatever, it was like, you know, he goes, you know, you might not know they're there, but they know you're there and they are there. And I'm like, so that is doing zero to help people be not afraid. Like, right. that's the last thing we need to hear. Um, but I'm yeah, they're loving just- your accent. It's so good. <laughs> we only have bad accents on the show, which is why oh, I'm sorry. Jeff. No, 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 no. <laughs> let me let me make that clear. We only up to till today have had bad accents on the show. No offense. Other people who've done accents, which is why we sometimes play. Do, 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 do. horrendous accent alert <laughs> but yours is so good of really? course it would be because you're a professional thank you i don't know where those people came from oh and they're gone can you do south african Ugh, i don't I, if i heard it mm-hmm. i could recycle i could like repair it back to you right like, i can't it's do not it in your cuff. arsenal okay yeah but anyway yeah that's not making me feel better about sharks no but I I, lo- I do love sharks. I've swum with sharks before, like in open water in Hawaii one time. It was, it's... Were you scared? Incredible. Slightly. But like, what you're scared of is that you're in open water and it's, and you're going to drift unless you hold on to the tow rope. It's like the currents in the ocean are very strong. And like, unless you're used to being in the ocean, which I was not, you are at the mercy of like holding onto the tow rope and making sure that you're, you know arms or where they should be it's like that's what's scary the sharks. none of this appeals to me at i couldn't think of a thing yeah. i want to do less than any of that but the sharks are not scary they're just basically like very slowly swimming around they're not like you know you How imagine are sharks, sharks are like feeding frenzy sharks right. or whatever so these sharks were like with the tail six feet so like you, you could big. hug one and it would be smaller than, like a dog basically they were like, like dog labrador sh- like like yeah, like Labrador sized, like sea dogs. And that's what they acted like, to be honest. They were just very, like, like kind of curious, kind of playful. They come up to you and sort of like, and then you like look at them in the eye and then they swim away because they get scared. And they're like very, like, you know, they can tell that you're bigger than them mm-hmm. and you're above them on the food chain. So they're not trying to like bite you or anything like that. They're just like, they're like, hmm. And there's you get very some calmly. entitled millennial shark. Yeah, that happens. Um, Adam Devine was on the movie that I was on. And he went swimming with them. And for some reason, they just kept fucking with him. And they, he had to get out of the water. <laughs> what did they do? The person who was leading the tour was like, you, you got to get up. They don't like you. 
They don't like you. I wonder what it was. I don't know what it was either. I think it was probably like the length of the fins he was wearing, to be honest. Because like the fins help you yeah. seem big. I chose the longest fins when Smart. I went swimming. So this is interesting. I didn't know that this is an option to just go swimming with sharks mm-hmm. and they won't fuck with you. Yeah, it is a, a surprising thing for a lot of people. But basically... And like you're not in a cage or anything. You're just... No, the main thing you learn on the like the trip they teach you all about like the sharks in the area and like what what to look for in terms of behavior there's four levels of like shark interaction behavior that you can monitor and they don't the last thing is that they like uh snap their gills at you like they open their mouth and close it to show their teeth which is like a aggressive behavior Mm -hmm. that like manifests before any kind of like actual fighty behavior and it wouldn't be them trying to eat you it would be them trying to intimidate you so like to get you away from possible food. So like the shark, so there's like eight thing. there's like four things you see before that. And, um, and so it's a slow process. It's not mm-hmm. like you're in the water and all of a sudden the shark is biting you. It's like right. that you look at, you're like looking at each other and like having interactions and there's plenty of time in between that and you getting out of the water. And then, um, the other thing is that the woman who was leading the tour told us that sharks don't, most shark species don't eat, as frequently as we think they do. We think that they're constantly eating, (laughs) that they have to constantly eat or else they'll die. A lot of sharks don't need to eat. Like they can go three months without eating. So the reason people die in the ocean most often from shark bites is that they're surfers and they surf alone. And so they're in the middle of deep water and a shark sees a foot or a leg or a, you know, a surfboard and bites to see if it's food and realizes it's not food, swims away, and then the person, depending on their injury, will bleed out in the water. Mm. So, like, because they're alone, you know? So, like, that happens a lot, and it's called a shark attack, and it's actually, they're trying to rebrand, you know, like a shark encounter so that people don't just constantly shark fin all the time thinking these people, these people? No, these animals are these monsters because really they're an important part of keeping the ocean clean. Mm -hmm. So, if shark populations dip to a certain point which they are dipping the there starts to be a lot more problems in the ocean in terms of like fish uh, populations get sick and die you know that's why they'll be disappearing tuna population you know because the sharks aren't there to take out the sick ones that's what they do this is fascinating i wish we had been talking about sharks this whole time (laughs) i love sharks sharks are my favorite do you have a favorite kind of shark um i love the mako I mean, that's the kind I'd be most afraid of mm-hmm. if I was in the water. Makos are intense. They're so fast. Um, I love great white. Uh, and I love, I think, um, what was the kind that was in, ti- tiger sharks were the kind that were in the water. But there was one tiger shark in the water when we were down in Hawaii. And she was like, I mean, she was like 12 or 13 feet long. And she wouldn't come near us because she's bigger sharks so they have bigger brains and they know to like get they're pretty wary so they don't come near if you go out at like five in the morning they're they're hunting so they're like around more and you can they can sometimes you can see them and they'll come a little closer to you and stuff and the woman who runs the tours will like she knows each tiger shark because there's not very many of them so she knows them by their markings and everything so she has named them and everything and they know her they like actually recognize her so they'll like swim around her and stuff did you actually did you touch shark i touched yeah I, in the water i touched one when it swam by me one of them they're like i don't know what they're called like dolphin sharks i don't know so w- why do people go cage diving around sharks if you can just hang out with them in your way um because they're scared 
and that's what we've it's a it's like a basically like i think cage diving is a primitive approach Mm -hmm. to you know uh what we think of as a really predatory species they're they're they are predators i mean they they're not we don't think of them that they are they're um uh what do you call them uh the precipice like the apex they're apex Mm -hmm. predators i mean the top of their food chain but they're um yeah, the the cage creates uh, some anim like animus between the shark and the people right. inside of it because this the cage makes noises. The lenses of the cameras emit an electrical current that the sharks oh. are their noses are interested in because that's what a fish and struggling fish emits. So they're like kind of trying to see what the camera is all the time, and so the cameras inside the t- the the cage they're trying to get at it to see what it is, and that makes people think that the sharks are trying to get the people. Yeah, and so it creates this kind of like otherization of like, oh, they're they're these bloodthirsty animals. They want to kill us, and we're in the water with them, and it's really exciting and thrilling. Um, but when we were on our trip, we had these GoPro cameras, and we just held them on sticks because the selfie sticks would keep the camera away so that if they wanted to see what it was, they could come up and touch it with their noses and then we wouldn't get freaked out. Mm -hmm. This is so fascinating. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. Edible, (laughs) and lastly, Edible (laughs) Intelligence says, cheesecake counts as pie. That that works for me. I could see cheese. I mean, it's in a, a it pie is crust. A, it, is, it is a pie. It really kind of is a pie. Mm, I, I want some. This came up on the show recently. Uh, I, I like cheesecake a lot. I, you're not alone. Mm. I had the unpopular opinion that cheesecake is overrated and I'm not going to like get all all swoony over cheesecake and everyone uh, let me know how wrong I am mm. except a few people wrote in to say that they similarly felt this way about cheesecake and I had like given them the strength to say how they feel it's like is there a to me it's like I want to know if there's a cheesecake that's like so good that's like a better version of the cheesecakes that I've had because like sometimes you just it's an it's a it's your scratching with cheesecake mm-hmm. and sometimes a cheesecake itch yeah, like it's like, oh, there's no other food that I, I just want to eat this thick thing, you know, that has mm-hmm. like crummy crust. Like I'm watching Sopranos right now with my boyfriend and uh, Carmela keeps making these rigo pies for everybody all the time. And I'm wondering, I want to know what that tastes like because I think it's like Italian cheesecake, right? right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. So she's like making them for everybody all the time. And I'm assuming it's like basically the same thing. Anyway, that's an, as- an aside that doesn't really Did help. you ever see the movie Back to the Beach? No, with Annette Funicello. No, but I know, I know that you know it. Well, it was a like a a not parody, but sort of a a love letter to those movies. It was made in the eighties. Like Pee Wee Herman's in it, It, Lori Loughlin's in it. It's I used to love this movie so much. It's Frankie and Annette and Connie. Oh God, what's her last name? Connie Connie Fisher. Connie Fisher. Francis Fisher. Francis. Connie Francis. There is no Connie Fisher. Is there? Mm. Anyway. Googling. Yes, find out. She's related to Carrie Fisher, so it might be. Anyway. Mm. uh, So good, but as sort of a like winking joke about Annette Finicello's peanut butter commercials, Mm -hmm. they're constantly eating peanut butter sandwiches. I am not a big peanut butter fan, and I know Mm. that that is also an unpopular opinion, but after watch, I used to watch this movie all the time, and it would make me crave peanut butter sandwiches and then i would make them and be, be like oh yeah i don't like this really mm-hmm. but that's sort of similar Good to advertising your, yeah your uh feeling about, story. Yeah. right 
What are we finding? Connie Stevens. Yes. Oh, there we go. That's who I mean. There we go. Alice, it was so delightful having you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have been here. Thank you. Tell everyone um, where they plug all your stuff. Okay, well, uh, please watch People of Earth. Um, What you have to do is go either buy it on Amazon. I will link I'm to it so in the episode upset summary. That this is the because we're not on a streaming platform yet. Maybe tweet at uh, Warner to make them put People of Earth on one of the streaming platforms. In the meantime, go to the TBS app to watch it um, or watch it on your television sets. And uh, I'm on. Uh, let's see, I'm on next season of Glow. Oh, cool! Um, I'm. I'm doing stand up. Uh, I have a couple dates coming up, but I don't think they're actually. There might be some. They're at colleges, so I don't know if you can come to those. Um, but come watch my watch my no listen to Treks in the City, my uh, my podcast with the esteemed Veronica Osorio and our many guests. Um, we'd love to have you on the show if you are I interested. Love, I would love to come on. I'm not. A lot of people say I'm not a Star Trek person, but it's not. It's for people who are like newly getting into Star Trek. So that could be yes, me. That could be you. Yes. Exactly. A lot of our guests have not seen uh, Star Trek yet. Perfect. So yeah, <laughs> that works for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, listen to the marvelous Mrs. Maisel boys. Yes. And uh, you guys, my book, April 10th comes out April 10th, Woo! pre-order tropical attire, encouraged and other <laughs> phrases that scare me. Pre-order <laughs> is available for, a, for some formats, not all formats, but um, I will, there's just good. So it's good. just for mats. Yes, okay. it's just for Matt. So if yeah. you're, if you're attention, all Matthews. Yeah, <laughs> uh, could Matt be short for anything else? Um, Matilda's, Matisse. or Matilda? Yeah, Mat- Matthews, Matisse's, and Matilda's. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to you. Just go to AllisonRosen.com. That'll get you to everything. Subscribe iTunes.com/slash AllisonRosen. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at AllisonRosen. There's more. I just I can't I. I, I can't, can't burden can't. you with going through we all can't. of it. Just go to AllisonRosen.com. That's where you yeah. find everything. Jeff. Professional website. Where do we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Rosen is your new best friend